Remarkable accomplishments are happening every day on the Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College campuses, from faculty instruction and research to student projects and community involvement. CMU Now is a monthly segment on the KAFM Community Affairs Hour, where we interview faculty, athletic coaches, and students to keep you up to date on all things CMU and WCCC. I'm your host, Caitlin Birdsall, along with my co-host, David Ludlam, and we'll have three segments on the show today. Our first guest is Associate Professor of Business and MBA Program Coordinator, Kyle Stone. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And we were just discussing before we got on the show, it is finals week, so we appreciate that you took the time out of your schedule to come down and talk to our KFM listeners today. Yeah, no problem. It's a good break. Yeah, well, why don't we jump right in? So our um, CMU's MBA program has been around for more than 20 years now, and it has evolved and changed as the time has progressed. But why don't we kind of start off with the basics? So can you explain to our listeners, you know, what is an MBA degree and maybe what are the basic requirements of our graduate program? Yeah, sure. So an MBA degree is a graduate degree, um, stands for Master's in Business Administration. Um, Pretty traditional um, MBA. There are 12 courses, uh, 36 credit hours that students take. Um, Sometime, you know, some students do it in two years. That's a full, you know, three classes a semester. They can get it done in two years. Most people that are working um, full time, you know, 40 hours a week plus, um, they're looking at a, probably a three-year plan, maybe a four-year plan. I've had some students that have taken five or six years to get it done. Um, so that's kind of the, the general overview of that um, as far as the courses go. Um, as far as what's required um, to, to um, start the MBA degree program, you have to apply. We have an application procedure. You can go to coloradomesa.edu slash MBA and find all the application information on there. Um, you do need an undergraduate degree. Um, it doesn't have to be in business. Um, a lot of people think they need an undergraduate degree in business to study a master's in business administration. While it does help you, um, it's not required. Um, you need to have a gra- an undergraduate degree in something. Um, we have students that have undergraduate degrees in um, theater and music and English and communications, and uh, they pursue an MBA. Um, we do recommend some leveling classes. Mm-hmm. If they don't have a business degree, we have a recommendation of some classes that they take prior to starting just to make sure they're up to the same the same level. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so for all the details as far as what you need to apply, you can go to the website find all that information on there. But generally speaking, um, if you're interested in pursuing your graduate degree, um, come chat with us and we'd love to fill you in and get you going on that. And quick follow-up question to that. So if somebody is interested and they go to the MBA URL and they apply, how long is kind of that process? Because I could just see for, you know, probably Mm -hmm. there is quite a few busy working adults that would be applying to the MBA program and time is short. So I'm just curious how long they would have to wait to know whether or not they got in and could get started on classes. Yeah, good question. Actually, the the close date for the spring semester just closed this past week. Um, so you need to do a little planning. There's a GRE requirements exam you have to take ahead of time. Um, but typically, once you apply, um, we meet as an ad hoc committee. The MBA committee meets when applications come in. We review those. We give people feedback on if they're accepted in the program or not. Um, So that feedback's pretty quick. Um, We do start in the fall semester, and we do start in the spring semester. Um, So at this point in the year, um, the spring semester starts in under, well, I guess a little over a month's time. Um, But if you're interested in starting the fall, um, you could start applying now and and get ready for that and start leveling classes or whatnot and start for the fall semester. Okay, great. So, Kyle, Caitlin Mm -hmm. asked you a little bit about how you enroll in the MBA program, but I want to shift gears a little bit here and ask you about why. Uh, You know, anytime in life someone embarks on a major undertaking or even a minor one, there's a lot of factors to consider, but why should someone consider an MBA and does it help them with their critical thinking as it relates to business? What else? 
Yeah, so good question. Um, you know, first reason would be why, and we ask you to write an essay about that when you okay. apply to the MBA program. So a little prep for that is that, um, you know, why do you want to do this? You know, there's obvious statistics out there that show that the MBA is the most um, popular graduate program out there. And a lot of research shows that it's got the highest return on, you know, your overall income over your earning potential. But I, I think people should really think about, okay, what am I going to, why am I doing this? What am I going to study? And really we try to, we try to um, challenge people to think deeply, more deeply about concepts and obviously a business. We're in a business environment. It's a master's in business administration, but we still, I mean, a business can be anything. I mean, the radio station we're here is a business. It's a nonprofit. I mean, a, a church is a business. It's a nonprofit. So you don't have to be working in a for-profit institution, but we want you to think about business-related problems at a much more strategic level. And we challenge people to really develop their critical thinking skills. And, you know, through that, we're also working on helping people improve their communication skills, whether that's um, verbally or written communication. But I think that what I see people, what happens to folks when they go through the MBA, and I see this because I see them their first day, and I see them when they graduate. And I see this, um, people kind of evolve into a deeper level of thinking, of critical thinking skills and problem-solving skills. So when you're faced with a business-related problem, you're able to do the research to figure out, okay, how do I how do I study this problem to maybe come up with a solution that's a little bit more creative or innovative? Um, so we really push people to to drive deeper and challenge them in all aspects of a business. Okay, great. You are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs, and our first guest today is Associate Professor of Business and MBA Program Coordinator Kyle Stone. Um, so we were kind of talking about how the MBA program has evolved throughout the years, but what would you say is maybe one of the biggest or more recent changes to the program, um, and why was that change implemented? Yeah, so a, a big change, as Caitlin said, you know, we've been around 20 years. I've, I think we're over 200-plus graduates through the program, and um, typically we graduate around, you know, 12, you know, 10 to 15 people a year out of the program. Um it's been a traditional, um, what I call brick and mortar on the ground MBA program since it started, which meant people come came to courses at nighttime, typically Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday evening, and and that was kind of the the model for many many years. And what we found though is that we we're having less and less people that are working coming to our MBA program, and so we did some research on that. Um, you know, we talked to a lot of businesses and and so what can we do to to meet your needs. And a lot of the a lot of the challenges were they just couldn't come in the evening. So starting this fall, 2020, all the courses were offered online. Um, so that's a major change for for our MBA program. It's not a major change for many of the faculty. Many of us teach online all the time, and a lot of students nowadays take courses online and on campus. Um, but for um, the Western Slope, and really for anyone, um, they can pursue and complete their MBA degree completely online um, at CMU. So. Um, and that started this fall. So that's a that's a major shift for most of the people on the Western Slope. Yeah, that is. That's a good, a big one and a yeah. good one. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. Well, you know, we've been talking about the program sort of in, in the abstract, and I wanted to maybe bring it to the personal. And I wonder if there is obviously you're a, you're a teacher and instructor because you 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 love students. Is there one student that you can think of where maybe an MBA has changed their life, or that stands out as being? A really great case study for listeners when they think about why an MBA might be valuable. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, when I have to narrow it down to one, I, I get a little challenged. Sure, sure. Um, 
one thing about all of our students that I found is that, um, you know, a lot of times we look at placement rates where people getting jobs after their degrees. And um, I would say that we have nearly 100% placement rate with our students out of the program. It's extremely high. And we've profiled a few of those. Again, if you go to cmu.edu slash MBA, we've got a little video that profiles a couple of folks locally um, at Reynolds Polymer and Community Hospital. Um, we have MBA graduates from there that are doing some pretty cool things we talk about. Um, you know, I, I think I, I'm, I'm trying to think of just one student that it's been a life-changing activity for them, and I can think of about five, um, but just right off the top of my head. But we'll just talk about one. There was a student that started the program. I believe she took about six years to get through it. A lot of life things occurred during those times, and she stuck with it. Sometimes she took one course. Sometimes she took three courses. Um, but the students stuck with it, and um, I, I don't want to use their name because I don't want to embarrass them, but um, they're now basically um, over in Denver um, uh, running their own consulting business, and um, she's been working on this degree for, like I said, about five or six years, I think. Um, and I saw her transform from somebody that was going through some really tough life challenges, maybe low self-esteem, really down on herself, and she just evolved through the whole program. And so, so that, that tenacity and persistence is what you need in business, and that's yeah. what she learned yep. in the program. Yeah, okay. and without that degree, she wouldn't be doing the job she has now. That's yeah. a great example. Yeah, And that's a great way to end our segment with you. So we're already yeah. at the end of our time All today. Right. So thank you so much yeah, for coming you. on the show today. We yeah. really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. All right, so don't go anywhere. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with CMU Head men's wrestling coach Chuck Pfeiffer and CMU head women's wrestling coach Travis Mercado. Welcome back to CMU Now, a monthly show where we talk about the remarkable things happening at Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College. We'd like to welcome our next guests, CMU head men's wrestling coach Chuck Pfeiffer and CMU head women's wrestling coach Travis Mercado. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for being here. And, 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 and Travis, we'll start with you, but I'd like to hear from both of you briefly on, on something that's of interest to me. Uh, the listeners can't see that I'm about 6'5 and weigh three pounds. <laughs> Uh, but my physique has never lent itself to wrestling, at least as far as I'm concerned. I've never even tried it. Um, but it seems like a really unique sport because you're you're by yourself. Uh, you're under tremendous pressure, and it, and it's it's sort of a it's one on one. I mean, can you describe for people like myself that really don't know anything about the art of wrestling and the sport? What's what makes what makes it unique for its competitors? Well, you'd be surprised with your physique. Uh, really? You may you think be okay. I can? Yeah. How about an it, exhibition? It, on, yeah, on it takes all, all shapes and sizes. Yeah. I mean, it really does. I mean, Travis wrestled as well, you know, and yeah. he's not a big man. And, and our assistant coach, Mike Mendoza, I mean, it takes, you know, uh, the, the weight in college is 125, and in high school it starts at 106s now, I think. And so, you know, it it's everything. And now with our women's wrestling program and that, from 100 and – 101 pounds to 191 pounds. Okay. Right. So, I mean, it really caters to the to anybody, really. Are you going to get in me that? in the ring or you get me on the <laughs> sure, mat? Sure, come on up. All right, you all right I'm ready. Well, well, what about, so, yeah, what makes it unique? What makes it unique? I think for me, you know, what's unique is that um, 
it is a it's an individual sport, but it's just as much as a team sport. You have you know for for our sake, it's ten women competing individually, but to collectively together as a team. Um, you know, a lot of times what people don't see is what the training is like. You know, we have teammates, and it goes for the men's team as well. Is that we're all training for similar goals, similar th- things, and we're pushing each other. And there's a lot of uh, combativeness in the program. You know, you have people fighting for that starting spot. It's not a team of 15 people and everybody gets to play. You know, like a soccer team, there's, you know, 11, 12 people on the field at any time. Um, wrestling, there's one person on the mat, and you have three or four people at a weight class mm-hmm. who are constantly battling each other every day to earn that spot. So when they do have their time to shine, it's, you know, out there on the mat and reflectively and we always tell the girls and the guys, you know, it's it's there's no pressure. I mean, for me and our in our coaching philosophy for the women's team is, you know, we take a lot of emphasis off of winning and losing and just going out and performing. So I tell them, I tell them daily, pressure is this made up thing. It's just something that you make up in your head, and you know, you're just gonna go out and perform at your best. Mm-hmm. Would you have anything to add to that, Chuck? Yeah, and you know, I mean, I th- I think really, if it was easy, everybody would do it. You know, and I think uh, nobody said it would be easy. You know, you. You see a lot of guys, and and, and and along with our women's program is, you know, now that, you know, they come in and, you know, maybe have a vision in their head and, and you know, wrestled in high school and that, and then they get to the college level, and it is, it's it's hard work. And and what's really cool about it is, is you know, you have, we have an individual wrestler right now, Donnie Nagus, that came in, and Donnie's been a spot starter for three years, and we've moved him, he's been a utility guy, I mean, 74s, 84s. And you've kind of found his niche right now at 197s. And he, he's probably one of the hardest workers, no doubt, on our team. But just all in all over the years, he's a hard worker. And you can see it paying off for him individually, you know. And, and sometimes that's, you know, when you do have team sports, you know, you can work as hard as you can. But if the team doesn't buy into everything, then, then you struggle with that. And, but with wrestling, and, and no doubt your goal as a coach to get 10 guys or your 12, 15, whatever it is that you're traveling you know, your traveling par- party is to get them all on the same page of buying into working hard. And that's your goal is to get them to work hard and, and, and uh, you know, try to achieve the goals that they can. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, you are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs. And two of our guests today are head men's wrestling coach Chuck Pfeiffer and head women's wrestling coach Travis Mercado. So I know you both are pretty early in your seasons. I believe they just kicked off here in early November. Um, and I think your teams have been performing pretty well from what I was reading up on on all of your stats and everything. But what really stands out to you so far in the season and maybe what are you kind of looking forward to? And Chuck, why don't we start with you? I mean, you know, for us right now, we're undefeated in duels, 2-0. and um, Beat Shadron, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, and then, you know, last week we were able to uh, get a win over Western. And that's always good in our book with Western being our rival, you know, <laughs> for us. For us, And we wrestle Western twice a year as well, home and away every year. Next semester will be the conference when we wrestle mm-hmm. them actually for the conference. Um, but, and then in our opens, you know, it's a lot of individual. They don't, they don't do any team scores in that. So, you know, Carney, we, I think we had nine placers and, you know, and, and probably entered 15, 18 guys, something like that, you know. And so, you know, you're always looking just for guys' individual goals more there. Just uh, there's no team, team, team going on or anything, but you're just wanting to improve. You know, that's our goal right now is just keep improving because, Realistically, in wrestling, what's really nice about it is everything's practiced till your regional tournament. You know, it's not like some sports where you lose the first three games and you might be out of it and you kind of lose your team maybe mm-hmm. because they they're now what are you playing for other than pride? No doubt. With wrestling, I mean, it's you can you can go over until 
till February and have a great regional tournament and wind up, you know, qualifying for the national tournament. Yeah. And, and that's your end result, national tournament and All-American status, you know, national championship. Yeah. Okay. And Travis, do you have anything to add to that with the women's wrestling team and how you guys have performing so far this year? Yeah, with us being a second-year program, you know, we were one and one in duels when we lost to Wayland Baptist. But talking about it and thinking back, looking at it, you know, retrospectively is that, you know, I still have of the 10 girls wrestling, 10 of them are sophomores and under. So mm-hmm. we're still a very young program, but we're performing really well. And the incoming freshmen from this year, they're performing outstanding and seeing them grow from day one to now is amazing. Um we joke with Genesis Martinez. She's our 101 pounder. When she came to school, she was maybe 98 pounds. Um, so she was definitely easy to make 101, but now she's grown a little bit. She's in the weight room a lot. Now she's walking around 108 pounds, cutting down to 101 pounds, and she feels great. And she's ranked fourth in the nation as a freshman. Um, Cindy Zapata, a freshman from Palm Springs, same thing. She's ranked um, top 10 in her weight class. And she's just kind of figuring things out, especially never wrestling freestyle before. So she's just kind of learning as she goes. Um, and our returners, you know, Sierra Brownton, our returning All-American, she's just continuously getting better and being a leader in the room and kind of sets the standard of what needs to be done every day. And then, you know, Alma Mendoza, who was our junior national team member this past year, went to Guatemala. Um, she she really is, the, I think, our big heart of the team right now. She kind of leads the energy in the room and tries to make sure everybody has an upbeat, positive attitude going into practice. So um, there's nine of us going to the U.S. Open to try to qualify for the Olympic team trials in mm-hmm. April. So we're kind of getting ready for that. We're starting to taper down a little bit. But I think we're on the right track to being a, a top program in the nation this year. I love hearing well, that. <laughs> well, Travis, you mentioned, you alluded to the fact that the program is relatively new. And it's not possible in life to start new things without inevitable challenges. What have you had to overcome to get the program where it is today and to, and to get it moving so quickly as you've done? Um, recruiting is always priority number one. So that first year coming in, it was mid-May. So um, it's kind of past the recruiting window, if you will. So it's about two and a half months of just hitting it hard and recruiting. So this past year, was I had a full year to recruit. And I think that was um, priority number one for me was just making sure I was finding the right-fitting girls for the program, right-fitting girls for the university, and they bought into the vision of what we want to do. It's easy for um, athletes to say, oh, man, this is a brand-new program. They don't have an All-American. They don't have a national championship team. Like, what, what are they going to do? Um, you know, having two girls do really well last year with Alma and Sierra really kind of bolstered that. And then having some top girls in the nation, Adalia Garibay, a Cindy Zapata, a Genesis Martinez, and Anya Scholl sign with the team kind of justified and showed these young ladies that I'm still recruiting now and recruited last year, like, hey, Coach Mercado and Colorado Mesa are a program that we need to be at because they're going to accomplish great things. So, and that's probably always that that hard part of starting a program is, you know, showing the incoming recruits that the vision of the program, what we want to accomplish long term. Because you see programs out there that are starting, and they've been around three, four years, and they barely have a roster of 10, 12 girls on a team, can't fill a full lineup. So us being able to fill a full lineup and show the growth in the program from, you know, May 2018 to, you know, December 2019 has been really successful for us. Great. Well, we're already out of time today. It goes by super quick, but we want to thank you both so much for coming on the show today and talking to us and letting our KFM listeners know a little bit more about both of our wrestling programs. Um, So don't go anywhere because after a short break, we'll be right back with our last guest, Assistant Professor of Acting Directing, Ben Riegel.
welcome back to CMU Now, a monthly show where we talk about the remarkable things happening at Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College. We'd, we'd like to welcome our last guest today, Assistant Professor of Acting and Directing, Ben Reichel. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And thanks for your patience on waiting and being our best, best and last guest. Oh, no problem. <laughs> so um, I'm always really impressed when I hear about the credentials of all of our different faculty, kind of your past experiences, um, whether that's both at um, the master's and graduate levels, whether that's in out, you know, in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always found it really interesting. So I'd like if you could tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to CMU. Oh, wow. Um, I was born into an acting family. Uh, My father's an actor. My mother's a director. Uh, I was put on stage at a young age. I always knew it's what I wanted to do. Uh, Went to undergrad and graduate school and then went into the profession. Most of my career has been spent doing classical theater. I'm kind of a Shakespeare nerd Mm -hmm. Um, and got into teaching about 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, so I've sort of acted all over the country at theaters and, uh, and taught at a couple of other universities. I lived in Colorado briefly before I ever started teaching and had been trying to get back to Colorado ever since. And uh, I was teaching in Michigan when this job uh, became available about two and a half years ago and uh, came out and uh, didn't know much about the west side of the state and loved it out here and uh, really loved the other faculty there. And it was just a really good fit right off the bat. And so it was, a, it was a nice move. We are sort of in the middle of nowhere, which is what I like about here. But in the theater world, that is a challenge to negotiate. It's just there's not a lot uh, you know, we are the only decent sized city on the side of the state. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's, that's interesting. In fact, I just drove to Boulder and back in the last two days, you know, oh. on theater related business because, you know, um, there's, uh, looking for summer work. You know, I, I like to keep acting over the summer and that's what that was all about. So, um, but that's what brought me here and that's, uh, and that's why I like it here. Nice. So Ben, I want to risk maybe getting a little bit heavy for the lunch hour sure. here with you but <laughs> i think when we think about these sort of transcendent holiday tales like it's a wonderful life or a christmas carol they kind of have these these moral instructions or there there are these moral injunctions and everybody knows what those are mm-hmm. and the two i just referenced but i think the shift in your play focuses to jacob marley mm-hmm. but does the tale still retain some kind of clear moral injunction for the holidays that people who might come would hear or see and observe during the play oh absolutely uh i mean it it's very much in the spirit of Christmas Carol. The Jacob Marley's Christmas Carol takes, you know, the character Jacob Marley, who everybody knows is Mar- Scrooge's old partner, uh, uh, who is the first ghost to visit him in A Christmas Carol. And it, it, it basically investigates his story, what happened when he died, what happened in the afterlife, and how does he fit into the redemption of Scrooge, and how does that redeem him? So, it's, uh, so you see the same story, but from a different character's point of view. Uh, and, uh, and yes, it leaves you with a very similar message, although it's different. Uh, it does have a different message, but it is, it's a, it's a show with a message about taking care of people, um, which I think is very relevant right now. Uh, the mm-hmm. discussions we're having in this country, uh, it's become very political, but that's, you know, the idea of, do you take care of yourself? Do you take care of other people? Um, yeah, you just said something interesting about it being relevant today. And yeah. I think about sort of in the Dickens era, mm-hmm. what, what was going on, you know, from an industrial standpoint, and that really influenced Dickens' life. But it, it, there is, it is really interesting to see how transcendent and lasting some of these tales are, and I'm really excited to see it. I can't wait. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. great. Um, well, you are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs, and our last guest today is Assistant Professor of Acting and Directing, Ben Reigel. Um, So this is a one-man show, which I find really interesting. I don't believe I've actually attended a theater (laughs) performance where it's a one-man show, so it's just you up on stage playing, I think you said, about nine different parts. Oh, who's counting? Uh, There's enough, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I just find this really fascinating. Um, So I'd like to know a little bit more about your process of going into it when it's a one-man show, 
But then also if we can talk about, even though, you know, it is just you up on stage, mm-hmm. there is a lot of people working behind the scenes. Right. So whether it's our director or the production crew or our lighting um, director. So could you talk a little bit about your process and then maybe about the people behind the scenes that are making the show come to life? Sure. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, yeah, don't yeah, I want people to be clear. It's a one person show in terms of who the audience sees, but there's a lot of people contributing a lot of really excellent work to help this show happen. Um, <laughs> my process. Well, it, it's interesting. I have never done uh, a full length one person show before. This is new. It's one of the reasons I wanted to do it. It's a completely different set of acting muscles. So much of acting, the cliche is that acting is reacting. But in this case, who am I reacting to? Myself. Uh, it's a little like playing catch with yourself is sort of what it feels like on stage. You throw the ball, but then you have to go run and catch it. You can't let it fall. Um, and so in terms of my process, I've never been very good at talking about my process. It takes a whole semester. I teach acting, so I can't, you know, it's something that takes a while to talk about. Um, but the process is different in a show like this. It's, uh, it's very technical, mm-hmm. uh, playing a bunch of characters. They all have voices. They all have accents. They all have different ways of speaking and standing and moving. Uh, and so most of the process, is, a lot of the process is, is really learning the lines, learning them early you know, playing around until you find just the right voice, finding the right physicality, and then practicing what it is to go back and forth quickly between them. So it's very, uh, it's different than the sort of sometimes sometimes more organic process you might go through in a play where you're just playing one character and the character is similar to you, which happens a lot. You play somebody who looks and sounds like you. Uh, in this case, no one in the play looks and sounds like me. Um, and so that's uh, that's most of my work has been very technical in that mm-hmm. way. And so it's been really great to have a good director on the outside to really help uh, because, uh, uh, you know, you're throwing a lot of kind of crazy stuff out there to see what works, mm-hmm. right, to differentiate the characters. Yeah. Well, stepping back away from the, the play itself for a second, this year's theater season is called the 50th anniversary, Inquiry, Discover, and Celebration. Mm-hmm. How does this particular play fit in with that theme, or, or maybe why did why did you select this play for this type of for this season. Oh, that's a, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, how much time do you have? Not much. Not much. Um, We're running out. Uh, yeah. I, uh, wow. That's a, that's a hard question. I mean, the, the really short answer is that our audience is hungry for a holiday show and it's very difficult for us to put a holiday show up in the normal production calendar that we have. This show is going up after finals. So it's hard to do shows that really fit All right. uh, because our last play happens way back in October. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so that's part of the reason. Um, and, and I do find, I mean, I find that this show is a, dis- is a, is a, is a discovery. It's a, it's about a man discovering himself a little late, but a man discovering himself and, and a celebration of sort of humanity. So in that way, it, it really does sort of fit in together. Okay. And so we're already nearing oh, the end wow, of our okay. time. I know it always goes by <laughs> goes super fast. quick, but I believe David had one kind of well, question that he was formulating in his I, mind. So I think I he wants to ask it. I don't know if it's as much of a question as it is about you know putting you on the spot a little bit. So <laughs> he likes I wanna, to do that. Yeah, I want to <laughs> see if you can do this. Okay. Can you tell listeners why they should attend your show, but do it in the <laughs> character or in the voice of Jacob Marley? As you as you portray him. Oh wow, you did put me on the spot with <laughs> yeah. that. Um, oh, right, I have to find his voice. Uh, Marley sounds something like this, and I think it's important for everyone to hear the story and to, in this particular case, hear it from a different character's point of view. And it might uh, bring a different a different amount of holiday cheer to people when they see a story that they think that they know, but they're going to see it told in a completely different way. 
Wow. Perfect. That is, a, that is a talent that I do not have and I greatly admire. Thank you for passing that test. <laughs> I can't wait to see the show. Excellent. Yeah. Thank so you. before we let you go today, can you let our listeners kind of know all the quick rundown details of dates of the show, times, yes. and where they can purchase uh, tickets? We, we only have four performances. I expect they will be sold out probably. Um, we have Friday night, Friday the 13th at 7.30, Saturday the 14th at 2, and again at 7.30, and Sunday the 15th at 2 p.m., and uh, tickets are available at coloradomesa.universitytickets.com. And it's a small theater. It will be quite full, I would imagine, on most of those nights. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much again for coming yeah, on the show today, especially right. again during finals week and with prepping for your one-man show. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. All right. So this segment airs on the second Tuesday of each month on KAFM Community Radio. You can also listen to podcasts of today's show at kafmradio.org. I'm your host, Caitlin Birdsall, along with my co-host, David Ludlam. And we'll be back next month for another edition of CMU Now on the Community Affairs Hour. Happy holidays. <laughs>